Hello, and welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Andrew Keenan-Bolger, currently playing Crutchy in Disney's Tony-nominated show Newsies, and I'm here today with my fellow actor, who also happens to be my sister, Celia Keenan-Bolger. Let's start right off and uh, let people know that as of this taping, you were just nominated for a Tony Award for your role as Molly Astor in Peter and the Starcatcher. Congratulations, Celia. Hey, thanks, Andrew. <laughs> of course. Um, that's actually that's a good place to start our conversation. Um, what is the process been from taking a show that started last year at the New York Theater Workshop, a small not-for-profit theater, and making that transition to Broadway? What have the changes been and... What have you seen the process be like? Um, it's been a really amazing process because even before New York Theater Workshop, we started in La Jolla uh, doing the show as part of their season. The, it was called Page to Stage. And so it was not – we did a production, but it was actually sort of deemed a workshop. So we had a lot of time to work on it then. And then we did it at New York Theater Workshop last year. And there were some pretty significant changes made to the script between La Jolla and New York Theater Workshop. And then – I would actually say that the least changes in the show happened between New York Theatre Workshop and Broadway. I think, for the most part, the production that we did at New York Theatre Workshop has transferred. That the set and the costumes and all of the people, except for two who have other jobs, are still with the show. And Rick Ellis, the writer, did, I think, some really good sort of streamlining and cutting of the script just to sort of tighten things up. But a lot of people asked when they found out that the show was moving to Broadway, you know, are they going to try to sort of glam it up or are they going to, you know, I hope it doesn't lose its sort of downtown spirit. And I think the producers were really, really wise to um, try to hold on to what made the show so special at New York Theatre Workshop and just try to, um, you know, improve the things that they wished they could have done at the end of the run. And and luckily, I think the show actually fits. I was nervous that it would feel overwhelmed on Broadway, that the it wouldn't be a, a necessarily great fit into the theater. And it actually, in some ways, it feels even better yeah, uh, than I it agree. did downtown. When I saw it, I saw it in the mezzanine, and it was interesting getting to see all of the stage pictures that, Stephen Hoggett and Alex Timbers and Roger Reese have created, and it, it truly it feels such like a Broadway musical and or such a Broadway play in a way that I sort of hadn't envisioned, but works so perfectly on that. Yeah, s- it's on that nice sense. when that happens that way. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I s- similarly, as long as we're sort of talking about um, being on a journey with things, I feel like uh, I'm sort of interested. Did you do? You're you're doing Newsies right now mm-hmm. on Broadway. Were there you did workshops of it before you did it at Paper Mill? Yeah, yeah. We started. It was actually less than two years ago, which is an insanely Fast. quick time. Yes, from first table read to mounting it on Broadway. Um, I I'd done all the readings of it, uh, which was really cool. Originally, when Disney started out with the project, it was truly for licensing. We were told this is not going to have a production anywhere. They're going to write like a fun script that they can deliver as a package to like high schools and regional theaters. And so, of course, there was always like a little bit like, but I grew up on this movie. We want this to happen <laughs> right. on Broadway, and it seemed like the fates were against us every step of the way, and yet. There have been like such a huge pull from the fan base and from just the masses to make this happen that I think it's exceeded all of Disney's expectations for what a powerful show this could be on Broadway. Yeah. And how do you feel being a part of the workshops and then doing it at Paper Mill? 
the ownership, I think, that you feel over a piece is so different than if you just go into it, you know, while it's already in the run. And will you just talk about what your relationship to the people in the cast and how, because I think also that's something that changes, you know, you, mm-hmm. when you do the workshops, you have different people that you work with. And then from to paper mill, there, there's your cast changes and then on Broadway and just sort of what that experience has been like. Sure, sure. Yeah. Through. Well, I, so much of the importance of the success of Newsies, I think, is getting that camaraderie among the boys yes. to seem as real as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think we're lucky in that it's a lot of their Broadway debuts. We're all really young. This was a movie we grew up on. So the passion for the project is so present. And the fact that we're all sort of have similar upbringings, um, we're all such good friends. And everybody it always seems says, that way. yeah, everybody's <laughs> always like, our show's like a family, but I'm, I have 18 <laughs> brothers on that stage. Yeah. And I think that comes across as the thing that is the most powerful in the show to see these boys banding together and taking care of each other and standing up to impossible causes. Yeah. I also have been so, I, I don't know if people know this, but that you were on Broadway at a very young age. And for like a lot of your career, we're always sort of the baby of the show. Like mm-hmm. you were the one kid or you were, you know, a, one of a few kids and, and I feel like watching you in the dynamic with all of these guys, the dynamic has sort of changed where like somehow at the ripe age of 27, you're like <laughs> the, you're more of a, um, of a, like a seasoned, uh, performer than, than some of these guys. And so the, the dynamic has changed a little bit where I feel like you are, you're now sort of the adult. And how, what has that been like? I think it's been great. Both, both Jeremy Jordan and I were, we're still playing children in the show, which is weird, but it's definitely we're like two of the oldest and uh, the people who've uh, done the most work on Broadway and getting to sort of tell like our boys like this is what you can expect and like this is going to happen. Uh-huh. And it's been really cool and to be in that position where like the last show I did, I was the youngest person and now this show, I'm like the oldest. <laughs> so it's it was such a quick change and to get to jump into that leadership position um, I think has been so great and it comes across on stage just watching Jeremy. I think every single boy wants to be him in our <laughs> yes. company. We look up to him so much as a person and as a performer that it comes across so clear that he's such a leader. Uh-huh. Um, you've had a really interesting season this year. I've been a little bit obsessed with the projects that you've gotten to work on just in the last few months. Um, you started out uh, in January or February doing Merrily We Roll Along, um, which is a slightly different piece slash role from what you're playing now. You start out the show as a 40-something alcoholic. Uh-huh. What was that like getting to do right in between Peter and the Starcatcher where you're jumping from a 13-year-old to someone who's been jaded by the business that we're working in mm-hmm. back to a 13-year-old? Have you found that your approach to the character has changed at all? I definitely... That's such a, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, I do. I think I, it's so amazing to get to work on something over a long period of time. And I think if you get to have a little time in between also when like to do other projects in between the next time that you visit a role, so much of what you do ends up influencing your approach and just being able, particularly with Peter and the Starcatcher, that 
I, I love that character so much. And I, she's sort of in my brain and was in my brain even when I wasn't doing the show and trying to think of just ways to sort of give her the dignity she deserved and, and to give her a voice that I, I felt like would, you know, resonate with young women who came and saw the show and with everybody, but particularly as a sort of heroine, um, for, for young girls. And I think getting to do Mary and Marilee, we roll along just on a like really sort of shallow level. It just gave me some confidence, like extra confidence mm-hmm. that I could go into the Broadway rehearsal of Peter and the Starcatcher feeling like, I think I, I really know what I'm doing, but I also think that idea, I've also, I've been saying this a lot recently. I've been, I've been reading the Hunger Games and. I'm not familiar. <laughs> it's, um, it's a trilogy. Oh. And there's a movie that just came out. I've never heard of that. Well, I'll get you a copy. Oh, thanks, Celia. <laughs> I actually think Maggie, our sister, <laughs> yes. is the one that gave me the books. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. Um, hilarious. But that kids want to be taken seriously and, and I think, um, as adults and mm-hmm. and I think that kids generally try to present themselves especially this particular kid wants to present herself as someone who is like an adult even though there are you know emotional failings that mm-hmm. she just ha- doesn't have control over and I think getting to do Mary Mary and Merrily I thought what happens if I just take a little more of an adult approach mm-hmm. with Molly and just not really worry about the fact that she's 13 years old because that's already in the writing and um and see what happens if I just sort of give her as many adult characteristics as I can and I think that was a that to me I don't know how apparent that changes necessarily from New York Theater Workshop but sort of what's going on inside of me I feel like that was I'm really grateful to have gotten to do Merrily right before that and also just because it's something so different um and I feel like sometimes as actors, we get sort of pigeonholed into, uh, you know, playing kids or yeah. playing um, ingenues or whatever. And to get to do something so outside of anything I had done before and then revisit something that I had I had done before, that, that sort of juxtaposition was really, really useful, mm-hmm. I think. I'm also – both of us have gotten to re-examine a role that we played. I always feel like that's – in any show I've done, that's always my dream to like get a second chance at a character. Yeah, and because you always close a run, and then like three months later, you're like, God, I could have done that. Like, there's more to be seen with this, and I think it's so great that both of us got a chance to like have some time off and like spend some time with this character, and then get to go and do it again. No question, and I don't, I don't think it's a fluke that the shows, like, there are a lot of shows that are nominated this year mm-hmm. that started off Broadway or started out of town and then came in and that those are the ones that are recognized. That's not a fluke. Mm -hmm. It's, I feel like when you, especially if you get to go out of town with a piece and you sort of build those relationships as a company out of town, that's very different than like rehearsing a show in New York, going back to your lives that you, you know, everybody, you don't do as much hanging out. I think. And if you go out of town and you, you sort of create this this family or this unit that is making a show, and then you get to come back to it in New York. You already have this sort of this base of what the piece is, and you have that time in between to think about what would I <laughs> like to do differently yeah, this time totally. around. And I think that it makes me so grateful for the regional theaters and the the off Broadway theaters that produce 
work that then gets to move forward because it's I do think it's such a crucial part of the process and so important for the success of a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Let's maybe just talk a little bit about growing up. <laughs> I love it. In Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, Sully and I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, Detroit proper, Michigan. A lot of people say they're from Detroit and they're from the suburbs, but we grew <laughs> we up actually there. actually are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're, are we third generation Detroit? Yes. Our and folks and our grandparents all grew up there. Um, I, it's funny. So I feel like Detroit gets such a bad rap. It's always like the place that they cut to in like movies where they want to like show a bombed out like train <laughs> yes. station. Um, I never felt like growing up though that we were in anywhere other than home. Same. Completely. And I feel like there is something about Detroit that served me. I I mean, I don't think I Mm -hmm. felt this at all, like, uh, growing up. But looking back on it, there is a a toughness and a a sort of hardness Mm -hmm. to Detroit that I think has has served me as an actor later on. As just, I feel like Detroit is always pushing against, like, the worst odds. Yeah. And I feel like, Weirdly, people there are like have like really thick skin and are tough and hardworking and and used to being sort of not in the sort of glory place that a lot of other cities, I think, can be recognized for. And I think when I think about growing up there, I I do think that weirdly served me like that. I feel kind of like I have a good tough skin and I I grew up with like good stock of Uh people. Um, do you have feelings about like how, what your childhood and and I mean we did a lot of theater yeah. in Detroit too. Yeah, there is a lot of culture to be had, and I'm not sure if there is indeed a lot of culture in Detroit. But our parents really sought out to make us always be involved in like a lot of the theater. They would have like a lot of like art nights. We'd always go to all the museums all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like it's definitely served me well. It's also I think there's something great about being a minority in a school where you can learn so much about what it is like yes another social group and having that be like the norm right as a white male yeah. i do, i feel like you would be hard pressed to find many white males who could say that they had ever that they had been in the minority Absolutely. and you were for like at least almost 18 years of your life yeah, yeah. you know and i do i i agree i i think that's a a very good point that mm-hmm. it it gives you just a different perspective, and especially if you're someone who's interested in acting and interested in accessing other people's experiences, I think being on the outside of something can really give you a window into what's happening to to people that are not like you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would maybe someday like to go back to Detroit and do a show there with yeah. you. Yeah, me I feel too. Like, or produce a movie or something. Yes, Yeah. There's like so much, I think, art that's always born out of situations where <laughs> the population is sort of fleeing that there's always room for artists to move in yes. cheaply and do really good work. Yes. On that same tangent, I want to talk a little bit about your web series. Oh, yes. Submissions Only, <laughs> um, which is really, I, I feel like one of the things that I am that I admire the most about you is how, and this this happened like, in college as well, but like you started a blog out of college, mm-hmm. a video blog, and then sort of from that taught yourself about editing and how to use a camera. And then when you were doing 
It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Indeed, in you Dallas, Kate one, of, one of Celia's old friends who I had sort of known but never worked with before. Yeah, and we we were both moving back to the city, and neither of us had a job to go into. And I think that's oftentimes the place where the most creative things happen because you're like, what do I honestly have to lose? Um, and I think, yeah, it's it's been the thing I'm the most proud of at, at the end of the day, something that I totally created. Um, and I think it's bled into so much of my acting, uh, just getting a perspective of like how it is directing other people, seeing what other people's process is as far as looking at characters, um, and just a general appreciation of like all things technical and all the work <laughs> that goes into that. Yeah. That I think sometimes as an actor on Broadway, it's easy to take for granted. Just be like, I'm showing up and doing my job and to be just really recognizing all the millions of people who are every night <sighs> making that happen in our industry. Mm-hmm. I think also there's something a, a lot of actors I know feel like they wish they had more control over their career or mm-hmm. over you know, what they're doing. And I think by creating your own opportunities, you really get to have control over something and, and, you know, create your own opportunities. Mm -hmm. Do you think what, what is it though? Because I feel like some people can do that. And a lot of people talk about it and Mm -hmm. it's hard. Like what, if you had to pinpoint something in yourself, like what is, what, why do you think you have been so successful at doing that? I think a lot of it has to do with <laughs> the year I was born. I'm not even joking. It's very like, Malcolm Gladwell you, of you. No, seriously, we were sort of outliers, my group of friends, because we were in college right when YouTube came out, which up until that point, we hadn't really had a platform. If you were an actor wanting to present something, you could like book out a cabaret space and invite <laughs> 200 people, and you do it for a couple nights, and that's as many people as will ever see it. But we were sort of given like the hugest gift of being able to share something that you create with the world, and if it's a good product that people will watch. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do with being the right age at the right time with the right grasp of how to manipulate the technology to work towards you. Yes. Um, I don't know. I also think this business, it's, I see so many people where their, their career is so first and foremost, the thing that's the most important to them. Um, and I think at the end of the day, like your career, it can be great, but it can also be the first thing to stab you in the back <laughs> and it can be very vicious and uh-huh. it'll put you down. And I think the people who create their own create their own projects are the people who are the most happy a lot of times because so much of it is out of our control and the stuff that you're doing that you're in charge of you're always going to be able to have you can always go and write another screenplay yes yes Um, just as far as like new works you've had such a great career as far as spanning um just broadway musicals as well as a lot of plays and a lot of stuff off broadway and a lot of new works which i think is the most rewarding thing uh, to work on. What are some young artists out there and people who are creating stuff like book writers or playwrights uh, who you're a big fan of? Um, Recently, I've been asked so many times, like, what's your dream role? And I always say, I'm just so excited about the new work Mm -hmm. that I generally don't have an answer for that. And I feel like I'm really, really excited, uh, about Amy Herzog, who uh, who's played Four Thousand Miles and um, who's 
play Belleville is coming into New York Theater Workshop actually next season. Um, I think she is a really, really exciting voice. I think Leslie Headland, who um, wrote a play, Bachelorette, that mm-hmm. I was in that um, was recently made into a movie, I think has a real strong, uh, unique uh, voice, particularly for the theater. That show was certainly not like anything that um, I had ever really seen before. Um, and like as far as musicals go, uh, I love Chris Miller and Nathan Tyson so much, who you've been working with uh, on Talk Everlasting. Mm-hmm. I think those guys for a long time. I've I've known them, and I I just think that they are tapped into something that is similarly to the other the women I just mentioned, really good, unique um, musical voices. Um, Michael Friedman, I also really love, uh, and I do think getting to work. With Alex Timbers, just on this show, I think he is, I think, dedicated to pushing the art form into directions that it hasn't necessarily, that haven't been explored. And I think any way that with these, with new artists and with new work, like any way that we can appeal to a different audience, but Mm -hmm. also, um, Without, you know, I think alienating the people who, who have loved theater for a really long time. That's sort of the goal. And, and I think all of those, uh, all of the people that I just mentioned have, are, are doing that. That they're, they have this, this new perspective, but also great, um, respect for the art form. And I think that's, you know, that's really exciting. I also, I really want to work with Sam Gold, mm-hmm. who did Circle Mirror Transformation. Annie Baker is another, um, writer who I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with and who I think is a really exciting new voice in the American theater. Um, and Trip Coleman, who I got to work with on Bachelorette is someone who I, I think is also always doing things that are, that are very interesting to me. Yeah. And Trip also sort of helped usher you into this world of plays, which, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's it's hard for musical theater people to sometimes be taken seriously doing plays, and few people really have been able to do both. Um, what what made you interested in getting to do plays, and do you have a preference of what you prefer to do, musicals or plays? Oh, I feel like whenever I'm doing a musical, I'm like, ooh, it would be nice not to have to wake up and worry about my <laughs> voice, and whenever I'm doing a play, I'm like, God, I miss singing. <laughs> so that's the ridiculous sort of double-edged sword of that. Um, and just to just talk about Trip for a minute, I feel like he saw me in a musical and he was like, I, I hope we get to work together someday. And I was like, you, you hope it. I hope it. Like yeah. I would be so excited. And I do think getting to do a few plays and then getting to do Merrily, I, cause I had not done a musical for a while. I had done mm-hmm. like three plays off Broadway. I felt like I was so much more brave in the book scenes than I think I ever would have been had I just been doing musicals. And in a similar way, I think getting to do a musical and then go, getting to do Peter and the Starcatcher, that there's, especially with Peter, because it's so, it, in a way, the pacing of it is very, and the language is so musical, mm-hmm. like to still sort of have that in your bones is really, is really helpful. Um, so I think, you know, I hope I get, and I think as you get older, you want to just keep having new experiences because I think when I started doing plays, I felt like I had done so many amazing musicals and I I couldn't find anything that I was 
not that it didn't exist, but nothing came across my, my door mm-hmm. that was, um, that was that exciting to me. So to get to do these new plays sort of was exercising this muscle that I had never really used before. And, you know, just was requiring me to do something different, which was a really sort of similarly to what you were talking about with submissions, only that you get this different perspective that then when you go back to the thing that you started with, you you have a, a sort of new take on it, which mm-hmm. I think is so it's a nice it's a it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I re- I've definitely enjoyed um, getting to do plays and it's not something i i necessarily thought and it really is all because of trip <laughs> i really feel that way <laughs> thank you trip uh, yes exactly <laughs> um, do you want to do plays i would love to yeah sure absolutely yeah um especially you did, getting torch, the, you did the torch song trilogy reading yeah, last yeah. year right yeah that gave me a taste of <laughs> yeah not having to sing it's uh, kind of nice <laughs> um indeed yeah i think there's so many great plays that are being written right now that i think it's harder to get a lot of people to commit to doing and producing musicals yes. uh, where I think people can be a little more brave and a little less safe uh, with plays because there's so many venues to do it and you can do it a little bit more cheaply. Yes. And I think the, the, the dimensions of character of, of a character in plays are just, I think that's part of what I mean. The music in a in a musical gives you another kind of dimension. Mm-hmm. But I also think, in terms of like a long run, I think I would be better doing a long run of a play than a long run of a musical because there's just more to play with yeah. that you can switch things up. Whereas in yeah, a musical, you can't there are, a song. <laughs> no. You can, but you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> exactly. You'll get a few notes from your stage manager. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think that that yeah that that has I, I and I even feel that way. In Peter and the Starcatcher, that mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm still hearing lines where I'm like, actually, maybe this means this, and that you can sure. sort of change things up. Do you feel like you're an actor who is more like does the same performance every night or does different? I feel like I used to always be the person who, when I would arrive at something that would work, I would never change it. And I found more and more if I what I do that's funny one night, if I try to recreate it, it's never going to be funny because it's <laughs> lost that spontaneity. So I, I feel like my show is always, always different. And I think that the I'm amazed when I watch actors on stage alongside me who are able to do the same show that they set in rehearsal and do it and the audience Still responds get all brilliantly. The laughs. Yes. And I just, I don't think I have that gift. So I'm always changing it. And yeah. a lot of times I'll... Have some dud line <laughs> line readings, but I feel that's like how that goes. Better. Though that's the I mean, and that's what's so important. I think about about live theater is that mm-hmm. you are. It's always this sort of work in progress that you know you get to keep sort of tooling. And some nights it works better than others, but the nights when it really works are because of like the two nights ago when you were like, well, it bombed then, <laughs> yes. but now I have uh, you know some new ideas here. Indeed. I remember working with Dana Ivy, and I feel like she has that gift where like she would give pretty much the same performance up down to the line readings and still be so hilarious and so heartbreaking. And I remember being like, I don't know at all how that's happening. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> how you can access that. <laughs> it's a gift. It's a gift. Um, do you feel like the people that you're with in Newsies, what is everybody going to do on Tony night? Oh, my God. We're so excited. <laughs> it was the Tony nominations this year were absolutely insane because I had never felt like I had so much to cheer for mm-hmm. especially with Peter and the Starcatcher we're not Celia and I are not in any kind of competition this season <laughs> if one of our shows succeeds that's only good for the other show and 
every category, I truly had something to be screaming on my couch about. It was the most exciting thing ever. Oh, um, I felt the exact same way. <laughs> it was a very fulfilling moment. Yes. And that both of the shows were recognized at the time. I mean, it's yeah, one thing to get to way. be on Broadway in the same season, but then also to have, you know, someone else say, that you're doing the good work yes. was really, really special. Yeah, I'm so excited for the Tonys this year. I am assuming the Keenan Bulger tribes <laughs> all throughout the U.S. are going to be really excited too, because that doesn't happen often. Yes, yes, exactly. Represented in the in the same season. Indeed, we're oh, so lucky. We really are. <laughs> <laughs> this is the nonsense Pollyanna segment of the, uh, of the uh, interview. Um, just as long as we're um, talking Tony Awards, do you have any projections of who's going to win? Oh, God. <laughs> it's tricky. It's tricky. It's also bad because I the stuff I've seen this year, I wanted to go in and be like, oh, we're better than that show. And I have fallen in love with so many things. Uh-huh. I mean, once. That it was such a bad show. It slayed me. Um, and in that sense, it'll be a good evening because yeah. I feel like no matter what happens— I'll be rooting for something that is doing a good achievement in theater. Yes, agreed. And that we're part of such a competitive season that it's like a a season where I feel like anybody could come to New York and see something. There's like so many shows for people with different tastes. And Mm. that's that's a great state of of New York theater, I think. Mm. Well, thank you for doing this. Oh Celia. my gosh, thank I you for doing that. this, Andrew. A good excuse to talk to my sister for <laughs> half an hour. Absolutely. <laughs> now we're going to go off and do our our little Broadway shows. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> Hello, I'm Heather Hitchens, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing. I hope you enjoyed today's edition of Downstage Center. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV Radio Studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Our engineer for today's show is Chad Bernhard. Along with this program, all of the educational and media work of the American Theatre Wing is available online, on demand, for free at americantheaterwing.org. If you're a regular listener to or viewer of Wing programs, we hope you'll consider giving us financial support to sustain our work. Just visit our website, americantheaterwing.org, and click Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American Theatre Wing, thanks for your support and thanks for listening.